Welcome to High Ticket Woman, the podcast for Christian women who are relationship challenged, and they know that to make changes, it starts with them wanting more, expecting more, and becoming more. Here's your host, Debbie Cottle. Hey, welcome back. Debbie Cottle here. This is our second part of getting your glow on. And you know, when I think of a woman who's glowing, I don't just think about her outward appearance. Sure, that might be part of it. But I, I'm, I think about what's radiating out from within her and a woman who's taking good care of herself. You know, a high ticket woman who really values herself is taking good care of herself. She's taking good care of her body. She's taking care of what she puts into her body. She doesn't have to be over the top about it. She doesn't have to be obsessed about it, but she cares. Well, today we're going to talk about another aspect of physical well-being that allows you to get your glow on and that has to do with your environment now we touched on this briefly i know when we were talking about not making your bedroom a workspace and just keeping it for intimacy and sleeping but i want to talk now about environment from a much bigger perspective you know your environment has so much to do with your stress level right which again is so incredibly tied in with your physical well-being. So when we talk about our physical environment, we're talking about a number of things. We're talking about your home. We're talking about your community. We might even be talking broader than that, maybe about the location that you live in, the city or even the state, and yeah, even the country that you live in. Because even now when you think about what's going on in the world, or even just in the US. Think about how polarized people seem to be getting about things. It's not surprising to me that I've had a number of people say to me, even clients, that they don't wanna live in the US anymore, which is, that's interesting to me. I mean, Jeff and I, here we are living in Mexico and we didn't move here because we didn't want to live in the US. We just wanted to live internationally because of who we are, who are, what our backgrounds are. But it hasn't been lost on us that by living here, our stress level has definitely gone down for a lot of reasons. So for example, we're not driving here. We don't, our car is still in the US, so we don't have a car here in Mexico. So we don't have the stress of being behind the wheel. We take the bus everywhere. I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. And you know, the culture and the people here are very different too. It's a, it's a slower pace of life. Not, not completely different from living in the US, but different enough. So let's start with talking about your home, okay? We all have an innate desire to have a home that's peaceful and comfortable, where we can step away from the stresses of the day and, and feel safe. In other words, uh, a haven, a safe haven that we can come home to, that we can get away from the things that are difficult and challenging. So that the moment we walk in the front door, we go, oh, I'm home. But what if we don't have that? What if our home doesn't feel safe or secure or comfortable? 
Why might that be? Well, one of the reasons might be that you're living with somebody who's robbing you of that feeling. That might be a roommate or that might be your partner or spouse. <laughs> that might even be your kids. And all of that, of course, affects your physical well-being. It might also be that the home you live in itself doesn't feel comfortable. Maybe it needs a lot of repairs. Maybe it's an older home um, that just is, you know, in bad shape. Maybe it has to do with a lack of cleanliness. Maybe it's too cluttered. Maybe you don't like the layout of the home or the furniture in the home or the way the home is laid out. You could be renting and the space feels too small or there aren't enough windows. There's so many things, right, that affect the ambiance and the atmosphere of your home that impact you. And if your environment isn't facilitating those feelings of comfort and safety and peace within you, well, that's going to spill over and inter interfere with your interactions with other people, right? It's going to discourage you from maybe wanting to have people over. I mean, you're not going to invite somebody into your home if you're embarrassed by your home or embarrassed by the people you live with. And that is potentially going to cause you to isolate more. You know, and if you don't want to have people over, that means you got to go out to socialize. But that takes money. And we can't always afford to go out all the time. It also takes time and energy. And I don't know about you, but for me at the end of a long day, I don't always feel like going out. So our environment can affect a lot of different things. It can also affect our motivation. If my home is messy or dirty, or it doesn't feel safe, you know, what does that do to my willingness to improve myself? I find that when I live in a cluttered, dirty space, I feel depressed. I even feel anxious and I definitely feel irritated. It doesn't inspire me to do my best work. It makes me want to go clean first. And I shared with you last time that I do have a desk in my bedroom. So before I can sit down and do any quality work, I got to make my bed. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be like a pebble in my mental shoe, knowing that behind me is this messy bed. So I just don't function well in what seems to me to be a disorganized, chaotic environment. My brain just doesn't feel settled in that way. So all of these things affect our mood. If we don't love the space we're living in, it can lead to depression. Can lead to anxiety, feeling irritable and agitated, all of which again are going to affect our overall physical well being. The flip side of that, of course, is that when, when we do love our home, it reduces stress. So, Jeff and I recently moved. We were living in a different place in Mexico when we first initially got here. And the first place that we rented, it was a nice enough house, but we rented it sight unseen. We All we had was a little video of the home that we got sent. And what we didn't realize was that the main living area didn't have any air conditioning, only the bedrooms. And this part of Mexico that we live in, in the Yucatan, is hot. Let me tell you, it is hot year round. The coolest it's going to drop in the wintertime for a very brief time is maybe into the high 70s or for those of you who who think in Celsius, that's low 20s. Most of the time, though, in the year, it's in the 90s or the 100s or 
Again, the high 30s or low 40s. So it's really hot. Not having air conditioning in the main living area meant that I had to cook meals in a hot, hot kitchen, which made me not want to cook. It drained us also of a lot of energy so that all we wanted to do was just always hang out in the bedroom after work until the sun went down. And we never wanted to go anywhere because it was even hotter outside, although sometimes it felt hotter inside. But when we went anywhere, we suffered because of the heat. And when we were at home, we didn't want to do anything. The only thing we were focused on was staying cool. Well, after about 10 months of that, we found a new place. And it changed our whole life. Because this time we... We were very deliberate, of course, about finding a place with air conditioning, but we also upgraded in terms of the location that we moved to, the size of the place, the quality of the place. So we have more space. It's very modern. It's very well decorated, well furnished, and the quality of the furnishings is much higher than our first home here. So our comfort level has really gone up. And the location is so much better. Before we were on the outskirts of the city and without a car, that meant we had to, we had to Uber a lot, okay, which gets expensive. And if we tried to take the bus, it meant a lot of standing around in the hot sun with no, no bus stops with shelters. Well, now where we live here in this new location, we're just minutes away from a very short walk to the most modern bus system in the city. Where we lived before, they only they still use the old bus system, and you don't know when they're going to show up. They're not reliable. They won't always stop for you. But this new bus system that we're close to is incredibly reliable. The buses are air-conditioned. The old ones were not. So this was just another way that our lives changed overnight. And now we love being in our home. It's so peaceful. It's so cool. <laughs> We never wanted to have anybody over or come visit us for an extended stay at the old house, but now we love having people. Before, we'd have, if we did have anybody over, they'd have to go out and sit on the, the patio that we had where there was just this little bit of shade. And even then, it was still pretty miserable. But now we have this beautiful, comfortable environment where we can have people come. So you might love your home, but let's now think beyond that. Maybe you don't love your community or even the city that you're in. And that can take its toll on you as well. Again, when we moved to this house, it made us love Mexico even more. Like we went from feeling stressed out to, oh, now we're in the heart of things. We can walk to restaurants. We can walk to stores. We've got this amazing bus system. You know, it, it, it's it's, it's, we're in the hub of the city as opposed to being on the outskirts. And that, it, it made a significant difference in our, again, physical well-being. But what about when you don't love the community you're in or the city you're in? You know, I talked last time in the last episode about one of my clients who really struggles with his sleep. Well, that same guy lives in a city that he's essentially allergic to. So as a result, he's having a lot of physical health problems. That's just one way our community or our city might be creating a lot of stress. Okay? When Jeff and I lived in Florida near Tampa, I really loved living in the area, but I hated the traffic. 
I'm telling you, drivers there are crazy. Sometimes I would ask myself, is this really Florida? You know, the place where everybody retires to? I thought when we moved there that, <laughs> you know, everything would kind of slow down the pace, but oh no, oh no. When I get on the road there, I feel like I'm in New York or something. And so because of that, it created a certain amount of stress in our lives. In fact, in the two years that we lived there, Jeff and I were both each in a car accident. Thankfully, neither of them were our fault, but still, I mean, I hadn't been in a car accident since my early 20s. Same thing for Jeff. It had been many, many years. So because of the craziness of the traffic there, we essentially felt like we were constantly putting our lives at risk every time we got behind the wheel. So think about your own environment. Is it laid back? Is it high pressure? Do you feel like you're away from things and you don't have access to creature comforts? Does the traffic stress you out? Do you have to get up really early to just drive a, a short distance? Or do you have a, a nice, easy commute? All of these things matter. And you know, I've worked with people who are unhappy with the state they live in because politically their views don't match. So maybe the state is more conservative for them or too liberal for them. And so they feel like everywhere they go, everybody they talk to in that state thinks about life differently than they do. Again, think about what kind of impact that might have on your day-to-day -day and your overall physical well-being. How stressful is it to feel like you don't fit into the place that you live? Okay, switching out of environment. Another important aspect to your physical well-being, and this one may surprise you, has to do with money. Because you see, part of our physical well-being is our physical resources, the things that allow us to have quality of life. And the biggest resource you have is in terms, in terms of that is your money. And that's just a reality. I mean, we might have different mindsets, you and me, about money. Some people say money's not important. But try going without it for very long, and you just might change your mind. It's pretty important. Now, how we view money, how we prioritize money, and the value we place on money may be different from person to person, but we all need money. And there's definitely a connection between how healthy we are financially and our personal health, because not having enough money creates financial challenges that are very stressful. And if you have lived in a chronic state of not having enough money or worrying about where money's going to come from, how you're going to pay your bills, then you know full well how that impacts your health. All the way from your sleep to your anxiety level to migraines and other kinds of headaches and blood pressure and muscle tension and digestive issues and just your overall mood, right? Being stressed out and overwhelmed and irritable because you're worried about money. So it's important to look at what kinds of healthy or unhealthy money behaviors and habits you have. Do you strike a good balance between spending and saving? Do you follow a budget? Some people think budgets are for poor people, but that's not true. Budgets are for everybody because a budget is just simply a way for you to know what's coming in versus what's going out 
so that you are in charge of your money, not the other way around. So that means taking a look at your patterns of spending. I love a budget for that purpose because a budget helps me to track what I tend to spend my money on the most. And then that gives me control over my money because I can make changes from that point forward. And I like to create two types of budgets, okay? The realistic one, which tracks my current income and spending, and an ideal one. So the ideal amount of money Jeff and I would want to have to support the type of lifestyle we would ultimately like to enjoy. That type of budget allows me to think about the future and plan for it while still existing within our current financial situation. We'll talk about money more in greater detail in a future episode, but I want you to keep in mind that when you think about money, spending is important. I know you were going to you thought I was going to say saving is important. And it is, and we're going to get there, but spending is important. You know, I work with a young woman in her 20s who right now currently has an entry-level job. So she doesn't make a ton of money. And she was telling me the other day how she really wants to go to an art museum on on one of her days off so she can enjoy the art because she was an art major at university and she's not using her art right now for work and she doesn't have a lot of time outside of her job to 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 do her own art but the entry fee for the museum is 20 bucks and she feels guilty spending that money because shouldn't she be saving that to move out at some point because you see she still lives at home so we had to have a talk <laughs> about, you know, what kind of life is it that you have if you're all work and no play? What's the point of getting up, going to work, coming home, eating dinner, going to sleep? Getting up, going to work, coming home, eating dinner, going to sleep over and over again, if that's all your life is. There has to be something in your life that you look forward to and enjoy beyond just work. So in that first budget, the realistic one, uh, you need to create opportunities for fun things to do, for recreation and entertainment. While yes, at the same time, of course, being able to anticipate upcoming needs, things that you're going to have to have, things that you want to have. And that's where the saving part comes in, right? So you've got to have one foot in the present, enjoying your life, but you definitely have to have one foot into the future anticipating future costs. And then there's a third part to this. You got to also know how to invest, okay? Planning for the future. So yes, there are purchases that you've got to make, but we're talking also about retirement and we're talking about planning for vacations and we're talking about planning for further education for yourself or your kids, planning for the unexpected, buying a home, buying a new car, et cetera. So when we invest, we are trying to get a good return on our investment. So learning how to invest our money, learning how to make money work for itself and make more money. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not gambling. That's not throwing your money away. And there are conservative ways to do that. There are moderately risky ways to do that. And of course, there are far more risky ways to do that. And you can increase 
your risk tolerance by starting with very conservative things and getting educated on investments. So those are the three key areas, right? When it comes to finance, what do you spend? What do you save? What do you invest and how do you invest? And if any of that is out of balance, yes, it's going to affect your overall well-being. Okay, the last thing we're going to look at when it comes to your physical well-being and getting that beautiful glow on, and I'm sure this is no surprise to you, is the correlation, huge correlation between having good relationships, having friends, and again, your overall physical health. When we are lonely, when we are isolated, it brings us down. Again, it increases anxiety and depression. It lowers self-esteem, all of which weaken our immune system and make us more susceptible to diseases. When you connect with people, your overall quality of life improves and you feel more satisfied overall with your life. So there are three types of social connections we're going to talk about briefly today that I want you to really think about because they're all really, really important. So as you take a look at what your social network looks like right now, look at it from these three perspectives. So the first type of social connection are your intimate connections. These are the people that you love, that you're super close to. So this might be your family and certainly your closest friends. They're the easiest people for you to be with. They know you the best. They've known you the longest. They appreciate who you are right now. It's they're easy, you know, to talk to and open up to. Okay. The next type of connection are what we call relational connections. These are people that you relate with because you have something in common. They, they're people that you see often. So you might work with them um, or you might see them every single day in another setting. Okay. You know, when you go to work and you, you know, go to the kitchen or the staff room to grab coffee and you might chit chat with your fellow, you know, colleagues, that's the, that's what we're talking about when we talk about relational connections. And, you know, you've got at the very bare minimum, minimum with people you work with, you've got work in common, right? Or if it's not work, you know, this might be someone that, you know, or a group of people that you're in a group with. We'll talk more about that here in a second. Let's talk about the third type right now, which are collective connections. Okay. These are people that you have an affiliation with. You're all a part of the same group or the same membership. This could be your church. This could be a community group. This could be a volunteer organization. This could be a gym. This could be, uh, you know, some um, book club that you're in. Lots of different ways, right? That you can be, have a collective connection, right? So those are the three ways that you can have social connections. And they're all important, all right? I want you to ask yourself, do I belong to something? Do I belong to a group? Am I connected with people? And in what ways? Again, collectively, you might be part of a group of people who vote the same way or have the same beliefs as you. But again, what kinds of day-to-day connections do you have? And you need to ask yourself, are you open to meeting new people? 
Or do you just have a small circle of friends and do you just stick to them? Do you avoid people from your past? Do you like to hang out with people who really don't know much about you so you can keep yourself pretty private? How willing are you to make new friendships? The more open you are to connecting with people, meeting new people, sharing and mixing with people who do know you and who don't know you well, a good mix of both of those, the healthier overall you're going to be. And one way to strengthen your social connections is to reach out to people who already know you. Maybe you haven't been connected with them for a while. You know, we're, again, we're talking about your maybe more intimate connections. Maybe there's a relationship that was established at some point, but you haven't talked to them in a while. So you can call or write or email, or you can use social media. That's one of the benefits to social media is that you can connect with people so much easier these days. And of course, there are a lot of ways to meet new people. Remember those relational connections, people you see every day, whether you're working with them, whether you're volunteering somewhere, where, wherever you're going, that is a, a day-to-day sort of thing. It might even be the way you get to work, right? Like if you don't drive, maybe you carpool or you're on the bus or the metro. Again, these are people that potentially you're seeing every single day. So you can strike up a conversation. You can say hi. And if you don't have that, you can get that by joining a team, learning a new hobby that, you know, like joining a quilting group or I don't know, but you know, a crafting group, you know what you enjoy, right? All of these are ways to create that relational connection. So try different things, see what works for you. I have a client who teaches dance and she is getting ready to switch to a new career, but she still very much wants to stay connected to dance because it's such an important part of her. So we've been talking recently about how she can do that. And one of the ways she can do that is to go back and take some dance classes and get back into dance competition. There's her relational connection opportunity, right? Again, try different things, see what works for you. And over time, you're going to build a group of people in your life that know things about you and now they care about you and vice versa. And as a result, your physical mind and body will improve and benefit hugely from that. You don't believe me? Go try it yourself. Because I don't know about you, but all of that sounds pretty great. A better mind, a healthier mind, and a healthier body sounds pretty amazing to me. Ladies, that's it for getting your glow on. Thanks for joining me today. Remember, if you don't already have my free guide, the 10-Step Relationship Rescue Roadmap, you can go get your own personal copy of that at my website, debbiecoddle.com. Information in the description to follow. I'll see you in next week's episode. Thanks for joining me today. For more episodes, just go to debbiecoddle.com. And while you're there, get your free copy of my guide, 10-Step Relationship Rescue Roadmap.